Hello everybody and welcome to your place for all things paranormal, supernatural, metaphysical, and conspiratorial. Today we're going to be talking about the Doris Byther case, sometimes mm. known as the Entity case. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> this has been a doozy. This, I thought this was going to be just, oh, this is a cool story and or a cool case. And then all of a sudden, this thing really flipped my belief system around big time. It's going to be an interesting journey. Yeah. I'm Tanya. And I'm Chris. Welcome to the Triangulum. Welcome, everybody. So, what I thought yeah. was going to be an interesting case. It is interesting. It's fascinating. At. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting case. And I, I think that um, a lot of people have touched on this case, definitely. Yeah, they have. But they've taken the very traditional route of what was going on. Yeah. They all seem to follow the same path. Yeah. And while going through this and investigating the possibilities of what was going on here, I didn't think that was the right way. No. As we were watching and reading and checking into stuff, it was just just too many holes. It's a, yeah, yeah, it's a pretty complicated case, it but then is. we get into complicated explanations for what was really going on. Yeah. And uh, we're going to try and touch on those because there's a lot. Not just spiritually, psychologically, everything. Man. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, definitely. Should have only taken me a couple of days to prepare, but it did not. It took me two no, weeks. No. And I don't even know if I'm prepared. <laughs> I learned a lot about myself after looking at this case. Really? I really, really did. Because of the good and bad thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people don't like those explanations. No, they don't. Mm-hmm. They don't. But we'll get into that when we yeah, get to that get that end. part of the story. Actually, yeah. Okay, where to start? Who it involves? Mm-hmm. Doris Byther. Yes. So no one really knew when Doris was born, how old she was. She kind of kept that to herself. Yeah, it's pretty secretive. Mm-hmm, very secretive. Yeah. It wasn't until like 1974 she overheard some people talking in a bookstore close to UCLA campus right. about paranormal stuff, that this whole thing broke open. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of history on Doris. Presuming, yes, I'm presuming she was born in 1941, based on the fact that some accounts have said that she died in 1999 right. at the age of 58. Okay. So I believe she was born in 1941, and okay. I believe at the time of the investigation, she would have been 33. Okay. The incidents with her that were investigated were first investigated in August of 1974. Right. So here's a little bit backstory about Doris. She has four kids. Yeah. Three sons, one daughter. One daughter, yeah. If the information is correct, different father for each of those children. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's true because there's not a lot, like I said, there's not a lot of her information out there. She's very evasive about her information, very cryptic in what's going on in her life. Yeah. So these are like the tidbits that I guess are the most common tidbits that people have found or or talked about in in their interviews and yeah, she had know, a stories. rough life. Mm-hmm. She had a rough life. Exactly. So in 1970, there was a huge interest in paranormal at the time. Yeah. It was it was becoming kind of a trend, and these two uh, research assistants, I guess, yeah, were working for Dr. Thelma Moss mm-hmm. at the UCLA parapsychology lab. Right. Uh, Barry Taft and Carrie Gaynor. Yeah. Barry Taft worked in the lab from 1969 to 1978 
as a research assistant. Yeah. And Gaynor worked there. I didn't get the actual time he was there, but he was there at that time, right? Because he graduated UCLA in 1975. Who's that? Eli? Yeah, little Eli's crying (laughs) like a little baby. Um, As a research assistant. Dr. Moss was a former UCLA uh, psychology professor, and she headed the lab. They studied all kinds of different stuff, hypnosis, ghost, levitation, alternative medicine, all that kind of thing. Um, she went on, though, in her career to focus predominantly on Kirlian photography. Right. Which was a big thing at that time, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Taft and Gaynor are the two most important investigators in this whole this case. story. Yeah. Yeah. Taft was pretty psychic, too, actually. He's a doctor. He's got a doctorate in uh, psychophysiology. Smart guy. So the incidents that we're talking about that took place in 1974 took place at a house in Culver City, mm-hmm. California. Right. 11547 Braddock Drive. Okay. There's actually people who go to this house to check it out simply because of this case. Yeah. Like they go and they they, they drive by drive and take by photos and see. all this yeah. kind of crap. So let me flip my notes here. So what happened was in 1974, Doris and a friend are in the bookstore near the campus and yeah. she overhears Gaynor and his friend talking about some paranormal stuff. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, oh, by the way, my house is haunted. And they're they're interested because that's what they do, right? Right. So Gaynor says, okay, I'll talk to my associate and uh, we'll look at coming and checking it out. Right. So they do like a preliminary interview, mm-hmm. right? Taft and Gaynor go to see her August 22nd, 1974. Right. After the initial interview, they just kind of thought that she needed to see a psychiatrist. Psychiatrist, yeah. Because she had told them that she had experienced, I guess we'll call it spectral sexual assault. Right. And they were kind of like, oh, this one, (laughs) this one's got some mental issues. issues, yeah. Yeah. So they were like, okay, well, that's all nice. They were there for like an hour and a half. Yeah. They didn't obviously see anything. No. They didn't get the kind of information that would, they would typically collect. Right. They would do like a whole medical background, physical background on people now when they're doing these things but at that time they would never get that stuff from her she would shut them down so they were like okay well here's a psychiatrist that you can talk to at ucla and uh, yeah yeah, i'll leave it at that yeah that was about 10 days later she called them and said that more stuff had happened and it was witnessed this time right by friends and by family members yeah so they thought okay well she doesn't live that far we'll humor her we'll go back out there they went back to her house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe there is something. Maybe there isn't. You know, maybe yeah. she was persuasive. I'm not sure. During the first interview, I should state, they had learned that she had some pretty tumultuous relationships in her life. Yeah. Physical abuse. So she had emotional had a rough, abuse. Rough time, man. Yeah. Um, disowned by her family at a pretty yeah. young age. Yeah. Seventeen. Um, had her first kid. Yeah. Judging by the dates that. I got, like yeah. the years that I got. Yeah, yeah I, w- I calculated 17 would be the first child. That's yeah, um, a kid having a kid. Mm-hmm, pretty much. So there was a lot of tumultuation. She yeah. also um, drank. Some people say she drank a lot. Some people said she wasn't a drunk. So that's up for, that's a toss of the coin, basically. I don't know if she abused alcohol, but she did drink. I don't know if she abused recreational drugs. It was Taft that was saying she, she drank. She yeah. Was, she drank a lot. So they go back out there. And Taft says, the house smells like rotting organic material, yeah. was his nice way of saying. Yeah. 
Like dead bodies. Rotting organic material. Yeah, <laughs> Basically, it's a nice way of saying it smells like dead bodies. Yeah, rotting flesh. At that time, while they were talking to her, they noticed that the room, the bedroom was cooled. Yeah. But it was August, so it was very warm in California. But the bedroom was cold and there was no air conditioning, so it shouldn't have been that cold. They also said that they saw, you know, like those lower cabinets in a kitchen? Yeah. So the door's open. Yeah. And a skillet comes flying out. Yeah. <laughs> And then they were like, okay, maybe you got something. Yeah. Maybe maybe something's going on here. Well, she was in the kitchen, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. they, yeah. So then they decided to investigate. <laughs> so what's interesting a little bit about this to me is that I don't know how many incidences of sexual assault there were. I no. know that the movie would suggest that there was quite a few. Yeah. It was happening quite often. Yeah. But it's also a movie, right? That's right. But what Taft did say afterwards in interviews afterwards, he said that these sexual assaults stopped when they started investigating. Yeah. Which I think is an interesting feature to this story. Mm-hmm. They're setting up cameras. They're setting up recording equipment. It's more people coming with them. Yeah, there's the upwards witness. of sometimes 20 people, yeah. maybe even 25 people there to participate in the investigation. That's a lot of people, man. Yeah. So they had experiences where they saw balls of light. Yeah. These like greenish yellow orbs flying around. Yeah. They were never able to catch them on film. A strange color. It's usually white, you know? Like yeah. G- yeah. Green is just, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah I it's agree. It's just an odd color. It is. I never looked up the symbology behind the green and the yellow. Yeah. I should probably do that. But anyway. Yeah. Greenish yellow light. Tap said that he thought they were similar in appearance to plasma, which is just another type of, another form of matter, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but they were always seen in the bedroom. So they thought, okay, maybe these lights are coming from outside. So let's block out the windows with, you know, black, uh, like Bristol board, I guess. Yeah. And uh, block up the whole room. And duct tape. Yeah, stop any outside light from coming in. Yeah. And we'll see if we catch these things. And they would see them, and they were brighter now because there's no outside light in there. Right. But they were never able to catch them on film. No. They got one kind of like an orb-looking thing that has like a tail a little bit of tail to it yeah probably because of the speed it's passing by the lens yeah but because there's nothing in the background to give them an idea of how fast it was going or what direction it was going in it's kind of hard to really say concretely anything specific about that orb Mm -hmm. right the photos that i saw first when i heard about this story for the first time in the 90s yeah i know i know which ones you're talking on about on sightings yeah are the ones that carrie gainer presented yeah and those photos were the ones where the polaroids where doris says that the entity is in front of her face and they take a polaroid and her whole face is whited out yeah and, and then it's when saying it's right in front of me yeah. she's saying it's right in front of my face and yeah and they snap a polaroid photo and the polaroid is blurred out yeah and then they snap another photo when she says it's gone and the Polaroid's fine. Yeah. And then another one where they snapped a photo, I think, of a door. She said it was in the door frame because there was like a smell going on. And at the bottom of that Polaroid, there's like an orb looking thing in the bottom of the doorway. Mm-hmm. Big one too. Yeah. 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 So there was a couple of those obliterated white photos. Yeah. And then control photos that show that that wasn't the case. Right. Like there wasn't a light in the room that was obliterating it or causing the picture to be that way. It seemed as though something was in front of her face blocking it out. Yeah. And then there was the pictures that they took that looked like arcs. Yeah, those are pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. And one of them, she's sitting on a bed and there's like an arc of light that seems to have framed her almost. Yeah. What's 
most interesting about that photo is that you can see the corner of the room where the two walls meet. Yeah. Yeah. And the light is not bent. No. You know, though, that that light is in the middle of the room. Exactly. They had that photo analyzed by a photography, what do you call it? Magazine, I think, photography magazine. Yeah. In California at the time, and they couldn't find any way that they may have faked it. Yeah, he said there's no way. One of the best ones ever taken, because you can definitely see that that light is hanging in space. Yeah, definitely it is. It's, Mm -hmm. It's crazy. So I remember in in the sightings episode when I saw it the first time Mm -hmm. that Terry Gaynor said that Doris got upset with the lights flashing around and flying around. And there's people witnessing this. There's yeah, like 25 there's people there. Room full They're of seeing people. this. Yeah. They're all seeing the same thing. Too. Exactly. Yeah. She starts yelling at it. Yeah. We don't want to see your damn light show. Show yourself. All this other kind of crap. Yeah. And then the lights combine and they start to kind of form a body. A, a being, yeah. Yeah. So like a torso, part yeah. of the head. You could see a little bit of musculature. Yeah. It didn't fully form. Profile. Uh huh. It didn't fully form, but you saw something, and the yeah. twenty-five people who were there saw, saw something. Sa- saw the same thing and in that all, green light. Yeah, which and is, they all they weird. they all described the same kind of thing. So clearly, something was going on there. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. Like, and they tried a bunch of different things. They tried high-speed cameras. Yeah. Yeah. No luck. Yeah. They tried um, measuring the environment with a Geiger counter. Yeah. And what they found was that when it was present, there was no radiation detection. Hmm. Not even ambient radiation that is just present in the natural environment. But when it was gone, that ambient radiation, that natural radiation was readable. There were quite a few claims that Doris had made of things happening. Right. Objects being thrown, being attacked by the entity. Uh, Sometimes people said entities because at one point it was one and then it was three. So I don't know. I don't know which... Which it is. Yeah. Her children witnessed her being assaulted. Yeah. I don't think it was sexually assaulted. I think it was just assaulted. Yeah. Um, One of the son's interviews that I read, he had heard what he believed to be a sexual assault when she was in a room, but I don't think that was confirmed. Yeah. Uh, He just said that he had heard that she was attacked when she was in like her bedroom. Right. Because his room, right, was right behind hers or in front of it, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when when she was being attacked and the son witnessed it and he tried to help, he was thrown back. Yeah, thrown back. Yeah. By some sort of force. Yeah. Now what Taff and Gaynor noticed is that the activity was always most intense mm-hmm. when Doris was home. Right. So they witnessed stuff, but she was there, right? Mm-hmm. Taff also noticed that when she didn't drink, when she had stopped drinking, mm-hmm. the phenomenon seemed to stop. I've heard that in other cases too, actually, so... Yeah, exactly. So they investigated for 10 weeks and then... It's a long time, yeah. mm -hmm. And there was a lot of things like uh, in his interview, he says, you know, what we we saw, we couldn't photograph. And what we didn't see, we were able to catch on film. But not a lot. Yeah. Right? Anyway, Doris decides to move. So she leaves that place and she moves into a house in Carson, California. Yeah, she gets... Just enough money. I guess she starts getting some money to get a new place. Mm-hmm. That place was a mess, they said. Yeah, yeah. It had been condemned a few times. It shouldn't even be living there. Yeah. So she moves to this new place. Everything's okay. Right. I think uh, Taft and Gaynor reached out to DeFolita, the guy who ended up writing the book. Yeah. Because he was in close contact with Doris. Yeah. 
And he told them where, where she was because she didn't tell them. No. And they followed up with her. And when they followed up with her, they found out that there was stuff happening at this house too. Right. And also stuff that was starting to happen in the neighbor's houses. Yeah. So not just in her dwelling, but in the dwellings on either mm. side. It's freaking weird, man. Exactly. And in that encounter, Taff was recording with a condenser mic. And they heard footsteps, they heard breathing, and then something just came over and shut off the equipment. Yeah. He didn't do it, but yeah, it shut throw, it off. Then a throw a pot, a, a vase oh, there was a vase the that was thrown. The yeah. yeah, there was a vase that was thrown. Yeah. So she didn't stay there very long. Doris ended up moving again, but this time she moved to San Bernardino. Right. And she didn't tell Taff and Gaynor. No. They never visited her there. And then after, I don't know how long it was, but she ended up leaving San Bernardino and moving to Texas. Yeah. And as far as we know, she only maintained contact with Frank DiFolita. DiFolita, yeah. And she had told him that it didn't matter where she moved, some sort of activity. Was happening. Yeah, was following her. So you have this case where this person is experiencing a plethora of paranormal activity. Right, yeah, all kinds of crazy stuff. From, you know, things being thrown and lights yeah. to intense sexual assaults. Yeah, physical and physical assaults. Yeah. Confrontations. And and there's a lot of speculation as to what this was. Yeah. And a lot of people will say that it was recurrent, spontaneous psychokinesis. Right. And in that description, she acted as an agent that created poltergeist activity in her own dwelling. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But there's a bunch of other things that yeah. we need to get out of the way. Yeah, this is, I, I couldn't believe this. This is really... Which changes the way you look at this case, Yeah, I think. Yeah, you do. Like, do you remember hearing about this case? I do. Yeah? Yeah, a little bit. It was before I was born. Yeah, but I do. I remember, I remember the movie came out. Oh, do you? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I, never, I didn't think really much of it. And I just... I never watched I, the I movie. I haven't seen it yet, yeah. Yeah, I haven't watched it. I've seen the clips, but I've never seen the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It was popular. It was. The it book actually was did a, well. Yeah, the book was a bestseller. Yeah. So we have to look at what might be causing this activity mm. outside of the claim that it's recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis. Right. So the first thing that a lot of people are going to say is it's a demon. Yeah, that's the go-to all the time. Of course it's the go-to. Yeah, it's, it's bad stuff, so it must be a demon. Yeah. And most often the type of demon we would be talking about would be an incubus right. because of the, the, the sexual content. And an incubus is a male demon. And according to mythological and legend, basically, the incubus lies upon sleeping women in order to engage in sexual activity with them. I don't think that's the case here. No, I don't think so either. Because most of it is just sexual activity. I don't think it has anything to do with throwing stuff. Yeah. And there is a very specific reason why I don't buy into the demon thing. Yeah. And this is the thing that we had a discussion about this week. Yeah, this is this this really really this flipped your top. It did. It did. Personally for me, it made me really question a lot of things that So tell us about it. Why isn't it a demon? Why isn't it a demon? Mhm. <laughs> <laughs> because from what I've been reading, mm -hmm. there is no such thing as a demon. Okay. There no, there's no devils. No. Or whatever you want to call them. 
And because of my upbringing, you know, like I, I was brought up Catholic, you know, Christian, but uh, I didn't realize how that upbringing made me stop or stopped me from thinking that there's an alternative. You know, there's, there's something different. It's not just heaven and hell, devils and angels. I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to say it. Um, I thought I'd gone past that, that stuff anyway, or that stage of, of thinking, but I realized I didn't and we're still stuck there. We had a discussion about this because Chris's go-to was, it's a, it's an evil entity. Yeah, it's an evil entity. And I said no. Yeah. <laughs> and then we had, we had words. Yeah. Yeah. It's good <laughs> words which, because yeah, it was. It, it forces you to look at what is it that you believe. Well, I subscribe to the idea that a duality only exists here. Yeah. The universe is neither negative or positive. It has no interest. It's not biased in any way. Yeah. And I believe that there's no such thing as demons. Therefore, I also believe that there's no such thing as angels, biblically speaking. Mm -hmm. I believe that there is the potential to have a good energy that helps you. Mm -hmm. And there's the potential to have bad energy that could belie you. Yeah. But those things are a result of your creation, your yeah. thinking. Yeah. If you are getting help, let's say, or guidance from beings who are not of this plane. Right. I believe them to just be other forms of consciousness. Beings of light. Yeah, but they also may be versions of my higher self. Yeah. They may be versions of other people's consciousness that agree to give me guidance. Mm -hmm. As much as I want to say, yeah, angels are it, you know what I mean? I don't think that's the case because that would require a duality to exist in the celestial realm, and I don't think that's yeah. possible. Big thing, man. It makes you question stuff. Well, what was interesting about it is that you turned to a book that you read, another yeah. Dolores Cannon book, actually, yeah. and yeah. he was going to tell me the what for about yeah, demons and such. Give it a what, what. Yeah, and then uh, he started reading the chapter out loud to me, and then he was like, are you getting it? <laughs> <laughs> I was getting it. <laughs> Like, am I getting it? The guy she's talking to, the the, the person being, that's the, under, yeah, the person that's under, the being that's speaking through this person, yeah. the highly evolved being speaking through this person, yeah. is basically saying the same thing I yeah. just said, yeah. and I hadn't read the book, yeah. and yeah, so he learned some things this week, <laughs> and it's interesting because when you start looking at that, it's a it's a, a freer way of thinking. It's hard to get around some of the things that you 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 were brought up with. Yeah, you think no you think you did, but and then when you're confronted with some other things, you just realize, oh shit, I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't uh, let this pass. So based on the, that discussion, because I said unequivocally, it's not a demon. Yeah. And then we discussed it out, and I explained obviously in a lot more long terms than I just did now mm -hmm. what I was thinking, and we read on it. Chris was like, "Okay, I see where you're coming from." Yeah. So the idea that she was under attack from a demon or any of those types of things immediately has to be cast aside. Yeah. It's not an incubus. It's not a demon. No. We agree on that. Yeah. Right? Okay. You need to, one, figure out, you have different types of incidences, but you have to figure out, okay, where does the spectral sexual assault come, come in? from? Yeah. There is probably a high probability if she was sleeping or in a room, or in a sleeping state, that this is again attributed to sleep paralysis. Right. Because, 
and I was reading up on this because I wasn't sure if, like we had talked about in, what show did we talk about it? Shadow People. Shadow People. The temporal parietal junction. Right. When stimulated in certain ways can cause you to feel like there's a presence. There's someone in the room with you. Yeah. Yeah. And that presence can feel like it's attacking you. Yeah. But I also did find that there is some, not reports, what do you call them? Research, I guess. It's Mm -hmm. not reports, but research being done into the temporal parietal junction and arousal. Right. And somehow they they have a thing. They're connected. But nobody's really certain how yet. Okay. Right? Some people have claimed that they've experienced what would be termed spectrophilia. Or, well, hold on. Spectrophilia is actually a sexual attraction to ghosts. Mm Mm-hmm. But now they kind of use that word to describe sexual encounters right. with ghosts. Yeah. Most people who have brought it up say that, you know, it was a good time. Some people say it wasn't. Yeah. And there's been a lot of people who brought this up. Yeah. Yeah, there have. I was surprised. Yeah. Including actresses and stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In like uh, Hollywood, you know, like Natasha Blasik, um, Anna Nicole Smith, Kesha, Lucy Liu. Lucy Liu, yeah. And some other ones, too. There was, like, I think the one I found, there was, like, 12 people who had said that that had happened to them. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Brown. Yeah. Ron Artest. There's quite a few. Yeah. And that experience could be associated with sleep paralysis. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because, hold on, I'm just going to pull up something here because I read this and it just reminded me of this. Because when we talked about it in Shadow People, we talked about dream interpretations. Mm-hmm. And there's an interesting dream interpretation with regards to sexual assault. Right. So let me find it. I got to scroll down here. Sorry. Here we go. To dream that you were, I'm not going to use this word, but to dream that you were sexually assaulted or almost sexually assaulted indicates vengeful or resentful feelings towards the opposite sex. Okay. You feel that you have been violated or that you have been taken advantage of. Something or someone is jeopardizing your self-esteem and emotional well-being. Things are being forced upon you. Dreams of sexual assault are also common for those who were actually sexually assaulted in their waking life. Right. Which we come to think may have been the case in Doris's situation. Yeah, I think so. She was in abusive relationships, physically and possibly otherwise, and this may have come out in a dream state where you had some some issues with your TPJ. Let's say you... It's not, it's not working properly yeah. and you have REM bleeding into waking state and you end up with this situation. Yeah. Which also would explain people's ideas of succubuses and incubuses. Yeah. Not that they're demons. Yeah. No. But they're actually entities created during sleep paralysis. Right. So these entities could have been created in the near dream state. Right. I think it's referred to as hypnagogia. Okay. Or hypnagognia. I'm not sure. No, yeah. it's got to be hypnagogia. Okay. And people will experience some pretty vivid hallucinations, auditory and visual. Yeah. The combination of sleep paralysis and this hallucination state could easily cause someone to believe that they are being pinned down. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And sometimes nocturnal arousal, because a lot of people experience nocturnal arousal. Absolutely, It they would do. be the reason why guys like wake up with you know, an erection and so on yeah. and so forth. If you had a dream where someone touched you or kissed you or whatever and you woke up and it was so real, it's real. So if you have that, right? Yeah. And you have 
the feeling of an entity being in the room and then you have this hallucination state where you see or feel as though something's holding you down because sleep paralysis is keeping you pinned down mm-hmm. and you're seeing this stuff and you have these emotions wrapped up in that from previous experiences in that you could see how you would create this whole thing in the semi-conscious state yeah. in between when you're actually asleep and actually awake so there's that possibility yeah. for those incidences yeah because i like i said i couldn't find specifically how many there were I couldn't find specifically if they happened anywhere else other than in the bedroom. I couldn't find if they were specifically when she was sleeping. Yeah. So I don't know that for certain. Key one, though, that, you know, when we were looking at all of them, what's the main thing that they were all doing? Sleeping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the people who had um, stated that they experienced spectrophilia Mm -hmm. were predominantly sleeping sleeping. and felt weight on their chest, which is a a very um, common symptom in sleep paralysis. Right. Even the picture from, when is that? The, I don't even know when it's from. The one with the the the, the demon-y looking thing sitting, oh, on, sitting the on the chest, woman's chest. The yeah. artwork from back in the day. Right. Yeah, there's lots of people. Like, yeah. That's been around for ages and it's always been depicting an entity sitting on the chest of the person that's sleeping. I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but as when it comes to a state of mind... Um, one of the symptoms, I should say, or one of the th- effects before you have a out-of-body experience is paralysis. And that's well, what scares people because they don't know what's going on. They can't move their body. It's because they're leaving their body. But I don't know if this is the same thing. So the belief in that is that you have this paralytic state happen when you're sleeping so that you don't act- actively act out your dreams. Right. Sometimes it can go completely the opposite way where people get up and sleepwalk. Yeah, yeah. Right? Or you have these situations where you're stuck and you feel pinned down. Yeah. The picture I'm talking about actually is called The Nightmare by Henry Fuseli from 1781. That's a creepy picture, man. I kind of think it's cool. Yeah, you like it. I don't freaking like it. I think it's very cool artwork. There's a weird... I mean, the the painting's beautifully done, but it's just, you know... Yeah. I don't think it was spectrophilia. No. No, I don't either. There's the potential that it was sleep paralysis induced, but because I don't have enough information to to say, yes, absolutely, that's the case, I can't. But I think that's a much more likely explanation given her her past, her mental state, her drinking, her emotional state. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I think that's a probably a good explanation for the for that type of encounter. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's remember the other thing too, that one picture with the Ouija board in it. I yeah. never hear anyone say anything about that. It was sitting in front of her, so I'm wondering, did they use that, or was she using that? So there was, I think I it was know. her middle son, during an interview, had said that she had dabbled in it yeah. in her teenage years and participated in seances, yeah. uh, which is possible. Yeah, but the thing is, is that at that time. It was kind of like all the rage. People were doing this thing like crazy. Yeah. We just read like shortly after this that, uh, or sorry, just shortly before this, that um, psychokinetic parties were all the rage in the 80s where people would get together and try and move shit with their head, I guess. I don't know, but it was a big deal. Paranormal stuff was a big deal then. Mm -hmm. So what's the next thing? Well, the next option is, is it a poltergeist? Yeah. What do you think? No. I don't think so either. I don't think it was a poltergeist. No. And I know that 
A lot of people will say that it's poltergeist activity brought on by her as the poltergeist agent. Right. And I don't think that's the case. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. Poltergeist, we know that comes from the German word, right? Yeah. Noisy yeah. spirit. Noisy spirit, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it usually accounts for loud noises and throwing stuff or knocking yeah. stuff over. And sometimes, Yeah, sometimes yeah. Um, moving stuff and stacking. Lights going on and off. Yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. And I, I could see why people would think this was poltergeist activity. Yeah. But what I find interesting about it is that they say it's poltergeist activity, but then they attribute it Excuse to her. Yeah, yeah. So poltergeist activity created by her. Mm-hmm. Okay, that sounds interesting. However, there's other entities or options when it comes to creating something that could do this kind of harm. Yeah. And we think maybe we've narrowed it down. Uh, yeah. Now, I don't know this for sure. It's just hypothesis. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm noticing we're talking real slow because I'm, it's very a touchy subject, man. Well, I'm like, trying to think through all of exactly, the things. Exactly. Me too. Sometimes and make sure I'm I haven't still, missed something. I'm still wrestling with certain things, even in my head after, you know, checking into stuff. It's, it's well, uh, anyway. The reason people go with poltergeist activity or that recurrent spontaneous psychokinetic activity yeah. is because Nandor Fudor and William Rule, who suggested that poltergeist activity can be explained by psychokinesis. Right. So what they were saying is that all the bumps in the night and all that kind of stuff was created by the person who was experiencing it. Mm-hmm. And typically, poltergeist activity is attached to the person, not the dwelling or the area. Right. Okay. Makes sense, I guess. Mm-hmm. However, there's another type of entity out there that also could come to pass. This blew me away, actually. Mm-hmm. This, this, I had, I never heard of this until he brought this up. And today. It, it technically, I guess, would be as a result of psychokinesis as well, yeah. to a certain extent. Yeah. So first, let's clarify psychokinesis. So psychokinesis is the alleged psychic ability that allows a person to influence a physical system without physical interaction. Right. Right? So by physical system, an area, a place, that kind of thing. Yeah. Psychokinesis basically comes, the two words are from Greek, obviously, psycho, so soul, Mm -hmm. and kinesis, movement. Yeah. But there's also telekinesis, right? Which just means like movement, but far off movement. Right. The ability to influence a physical system without physical interaction, I think is the key part of this. Yeah. And the reason I say that is, is because there's also this Tibetan Buddhism concept. Yeah, this blew me away. Called a tulpa. Yeah. And this is what I think we might be seeing happening in Doris's case. Yeah, and other cases too. Yeah, for quite possibly. Know. Yeah. A tulpa is a concept in mis mysticism Mm -hmm. and in the paranormal of a being or an object that is created through spiritual or mental powers. Mm -hmm. Basically it comes from a Tibetan word. I think it's Sprulpa, which basically means emanation or manifestation. Right. That term Tulpa though has Mm -hmm. been taken by modern kind of practitioners, I guess, who kind of refer to it as a imaginary friend. Like a willed yeah, imaginary there we friend. Go. They turn it into Wonder Bread. You know? <laughs> oh, fuck. You know, I don't get it. It's like a pet cat now. 
Right. Yeah, pretty much. It's just stupid. So originally a tulpa, Buddha, okay, originally in the teachings, Buddha was able to create tulpas. So basically he could create many emanations of himself so that he could go to very different places, like all kinds of different yeah, places yeah. at the same time, yeah, right? You see pictures of it, actually. And they refer to drawings. mostly, yeah, they refer to mostly realized beings. Mm-hmm. So by realized, they mean enlightened. Right. Um, being able to do this. However, they do say that unrealized beings, such as humans, mm-hmm. may have their own emanation bodies. Yeah. And even be emanation bodies. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, somebody you know may not even be an actual people. They could have just been an emanation from somebody else. Yeah, I've heard Dolores can she she brings that up in a book, I don't know which one, one of the convoluted universe books that she talks about that a little bit and it's it's crazy. The idea of a tulpa basically is through my mental ability I could create a being mm-hmm. in my likeness or whatever likeness I choose. Yes. In actual reality. Reality, right. So imagine what you could do if you were angry, hurt. It's a lot of energy, man. Depressed. Yeah. All of those things. Yeah. You might actually be able to focus all of those things into an emanation. Of the things that you hate the most. Yeah. Which would probably be men, because they treated her poorly. Yeah. She had serious, who were violent towards her. Yeah, serious bad Violent bad to her children. Yeah. I think Family, that's... Family, everything. Yeah, I think yeah. that is a very real possibility. Oh, absolutely, man. And the fact that she seems to control it... Yeah. ...suggests to me even more... Yeah, that she's... In, ...that it's a tulpa. Yeah. Yeah. She's in the driver's seat. Yeah. It seems that way. Yeah. She basically created it. An entity. Yeah. I, I, I think so. Honestly, I, I really think that's and what it is. All of those th- feelings and hate and anger and all that stuff. It's, it's, it's charged. Went into this thing. Now, there's a very real possibility that she, maybe she created a tulpa that didn't have any of those things. And it became dissatisfied with its existence because here's what's interesting about this. Mm-hmm. Some people will say a tulpa will only dwell in the mind. Okay, that yeah. sounds great. I don't believe that, but how do you stop it from leaving the mind? Yeah. If you're creating an entity with your mind, with your with your psychic abilities, yeah. let's say, yeah. How do you stop that? Yeah. You can't. No. So, back in uh, where was this? 19, oh, I don't know when it was. Anyway, there was a person who read up on this in thought forms. It was a book that was published, I think, in 1905. Okay. The people who wrote this book said that they pointed out that the character of our thought forms is linked to our astral or desire yeah, and mental thought bodies. Right. And that the more refined our, our desires and thoughts, the more radiant and beautiful are the thought forms we create. Right. So how defined or refined would her thoughts be? Yeah. They would be absolute chaos. Yeah. And therefore you would create a character that is absolute chaos. Yeah. An explorer actually journeyed through Tibet, and she studied tulpa creation. She's a Belgian-French explorer. Hmm. This is crazy. It's fascinating, man. Mm -hmm. So according to traditional Tibetan doctrines, an entity created by an act of imagination, rather rather like fictional characters of a novelist, except that tulpas are not written down. Mm -hmm. 
And this woman became so interested in the concept that she decided to try and create one. Right. So she did. And she created it kind of in the likeness of like a friar tuck. So a like little, a little Buddha. Yeah, a little, a little monk. Yeah. A little plump monk. Yeah. Who's kind of happy guy, right? And it was at first entirely subjective, but with practice, she was able to visualize it out there. Right. And as it grew in clarity and substance, it soon became indistinguishable from physical reality. Yeah, that's amazing. So sort of like a self-induced hallucination. Yeah, yeah. But then there was a point where the hallucination kind of slipped from her conscious control. Hmm. She lost control over it. And then she started noticing that the little Friar Tuck guy would kind of appear when she didn't ask it to. Yeah. And then she started to notice that it was kind of slimming down, like its appearance was changing and it was starting to get a more sinister kind of aspect to it. Yeah. Then she started hearing about this stranger, quote unquote, turning up at their camps Mm -hmm. while they're traveling through Tibet. And now it had a more solid form. Yeah. It was now a thing. It had definite reality. Mm. So now she has to do something with it. It's like and, the, <laughs> yeah. the servant becomes the master. Yeah, exactly. It's so weird. She, she ended up having to take several weeks trying to use techniques, llamas uh, t- techniques, yeah, yeah. to reabsorb this, this creature being, yeah. back into her own mind. And, of course, it was unwilling to do so. Yeah, because it's getting con- like it's, it's starting to have its own consciousness. I don't know if it's conscious, but it's, it's something... Exactly. So these beings, if mature enough, let's say, Mm -hmm. it's almost as though they become, they can be autonomous from their originator. Yeah. And then if they do that, would they not be able to develop a will of their own? Uh, That's what I was going to say. The will, not consciousness. They, They have a will. Yeah. So if she created something through all of her chaos and angst and it was, you know, Attacking her and stuff. Yeah. It's now out of her control. It probably was never in her control. No, I don't think it was. Right? Yeah. But she perhaps gave birth to this thought form. Yeah. Could be a tulpa, right? Basically, a tulpa and a thought form are essentially the same thing. Yeah. It's just where the word comes from. Yeah. But the idea that poltergeist activity is a result of a poltergeist agent. Yeah. Is that not the same thing? Yeah, I mean, it just goes again. Look how powerful the mind is. Well, what I'm suggesting is that they're saying that it's poltergeist activity, but maybe it's just a tulpa. Yeah. Like, it seems to me that there's a bunch of different words for the same type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we come in, we come in contact with often, right? Yeah, I agree. What do you think? I agree, big time. When you were telling me about that, I just realized how powerful we are. You know, like, it's... It's just so, so crazy that you can do that. And you can. Mm -hmm. And it explains a lot of things. It explains a lot of the experiences that she's having. Yeah. Or that she could be having. Yeah. And through that, through that creation of that tulpa, psychokinesis is probably part of it. Yeah, I I would say so. Mm -hmm. I would definitely say so. Yeah, I think so. You know what? You told me about that today. Just today, I'm going to find out more about it and read about it. Because I'm just so blown away by that, that... Not that I want to create a tulpa, but I, I just I just want to know more about it because it's just fascinating. So I'm going to pull out Tibetan Book of the Dead. I have a copy of it upstairs and no. and see what it says about it in there. Here's the thing about tulpas. So you have the Tibetan version of a, a tulpa, right. right? And then you have the good old West 
<laughs> yeah, the, the Wonder Breads, the kit, kitty cats they got, pets. <laughs> they decide that they like tulpas too, right? Yeah. So from the late 1990s to the 2000s, I guess, and then it started to kind of gain traction. The word tulpa started to gain traction, but nobody really knew what they were talking yeah, about. Yeah. And then from 2009 onward, these online communities started popping up dedicated to, you ready for this? Okay. Tulpamancy. Tulpamancy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like necromancy, uh, but with tulpas. All right. So there's tulpamancers mm. that perform tulpamancy. Yeah. Yeah. How'd they do this? (laughs) Okay, so first you have to understand that Western people, modern practitioners of this idea, think that what they're creating is a type of willed imaginary friend. Yeah. Not an actual physical being. Mm. However, in the old teachings of Buddhism, basically Buddha was making copies of himself like crazy, like actual, real, solid Mattered copies. materializations yeah. of himself. I was able, certain so, masters were able to be seen in two, three places at the same time. Yeah, so how they think that it's just going to stay an imaginary friend, I have no idea. Yeah, that's just, it's not even fucking thinking, you know? Like, <laughs> shit, come on, what are you, uh, anyway. So there's these communities that have come up everywhere where they offer guides and support for people who want to create their own tulpas. Now, most of the people who call themselves tulpamancers, I guess, um, they treat tulpas as real or somewhat real people yeah. or entities. There is um, not a super huge amount of people who belong to this, like participants in these online communities, mm-hmm. but it's growing. And what's interesting about it is that typically they belong to urban, middle-class, Euro-American, adolescent, and young adults. Yeah. Yeah. That's the demographic for the people who belong to these tulpa what, what are they hoping for? They're going to have a maid that cleans for them? I don't think so, but a lot, <laughs> a lot of them. And cooks, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing. A lot of them cite loneliness and social anxiety as the incentive to pick up the practice. I mean, it's sad, man. I know. There's loneliness. and, But you know what? Like you got you, you to get into the world, man. There's people out there. You don't have to create your own. I know, but I guess if you don't... Like, you create create the one you want to be with, not a tulpa. I guess for them, though, that would be the same Attract thing. Attract one, you know? Like, oh, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> it's sad to me. I know. I know people are lonely, and I get it. Well, it's, it's, but you know what? There's, there's, there's billions of people out there. I know, but there's also... These people are also having sexual and romantic interactions with their tulpas. I don't know, man. So... It's weird. Who's to say that, you know, Doris didn't create a tulpa she didn't know that she created? Yeah. And the thing is, is that when I was looking it up, I was like, okay, so the Tibetans are talking about Buddha creating tulpas. Right. Right? So are there bad ones? Right? I I think there would be. Yeah. Well, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. Right? So I came across, it's on Reddit. It's a whole damn forum for tulpas. There's like 35,000 members. 35,000 members? Yeah. That's yeah. what we need, more more, more people in the population. Well, the, yeah, they're creating <laughs> fake people. You know what I mean? So it says here, they can become malicious tulpas. 
Yeah. But this is basically when your tulpa is a very mean person and directly tries to harm you and the people around you. Yeah, I think so. It's mirroring. Mm-hmm. And then it says, tulpas are usually made in man's image and thus are capable of being as evil or as good as we are. A yeah. lot of malicious tulpas are simply misunderstood, mistreated, or neglected, and helping them can help the host too. In cases where you have intentionally created a true, vile, evil sentience to live with you in your head, do I have to say how bad that uh, how bad of an idea that is? Yeah. But it won't stay in your head because the idea of a tulpa and the practice of a tulpa was being able to create carbon copies, basically, of your physical self. Yeah, I it's don't... It's called an emanation, yeah. not imagination. Yeah, it's I... called a manifestation. Yeah, it's not going to stay in your head. No. That's where, like I said, the servant becomes the master. Exactly. Then what are you going to do? All right. So I think unbeknownst to Doris, obviously, and unbeknownst to maybe a lot of people, there's a very real potential that the thing that she was experiencing was a thought form created by her. I I think she did. I think it was. Or a tulpa. Yeah, I I think so. And perhaps, perhaps it participated in the sexual assaults. Yeah. Or perhaps the sexual assaults could be attributed to sleep paralysis. Yeah. And hallucinations. Both. Yeah, or maybe both. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) So what did we learn? Yeah, I learned a lot. I'm still I'm still trying to wrap my head around certain things. Ah, so am I. I might be completely off base here, but well, even when you asked me that question about the good and the evil devils and that, I didn't answer it very well because I'm still I'm still trying to figure it out and processing things. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's just. I know it's difficult because for me it just seems like common sense, and it's not that I don't believe in universal energy because yeah. I absolutely do. Yeah, for sure. I just don't believe that that duality exists yeah. outside of this plane of existence because that is a very that it's emotionally driven, and there's no emotions in the universe. And all, which because it's religious, religion constantly there's a duality. If you if you're not good, you're gonna be you're gonna go to hell. Yeah, but none of those things matter. Exactly. In the universe, none of those things matter. Exactly. You should just be good for the sake of being good. Just be good for the sake of being good, exactly. Yeah. And guess what? You're going to be going to the same place. That bad person is going yeah. to be going to the same place, too. Maybe he might not be on the same level, but he's still going to the same place, man. Yeah, you had some. You had a difficult time with that one. Yeah, that everyone does. Like I said, we all want to see that somebody's going to pay for what they did, right? I don't. Yeah. Because I don't believe it. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, there much, is, it's true the human condition yeah is, the human condition is that you know yeah this guy's got to pay yeah he's got to pay but they'll pay he's with evil it. he's got to they'll know. they'll they'll get their what do you call what's that word comeuppance yeah they'll get their come, <laughs> they're going to be going to the same place like they'll, I said. they'll get their comeuppance before they even die yeah right so yeah. but in the end it's a hard pill to swallow it's yeah it, it really is yeah. right we all go back to the same place yeah okay so no doris Doris had some experiences, but m- those experiences are probably easily attributed to just her psychokinetic yeah, abilities. Yeah. And by psychokinetic, we're talking about, you know, mental energies, spiritual energies. And she probably I could believe, have been an amazing medium, you know, if she cut oh, down maybe. the drinking and, and, yeah, and focused and cleaned up. Like, yeah, maybe. You know, I think that was part of it too. Like, she had a lot of. Uh, yeah, she had a lot of demons, I guess. Yeah. Well, demons, not demons, like biblical demons, no, just like some, she, yeah, she had a some lot bad, of, some bad, juju. bad experiences, man. Yeah. yeah. So what I think happened here, from my perspective anyway, is that unknowingly, subconsciously, she created 
a tulpa, which yeah. is basically an emanation yeah. or a thought form created by you. Mm-hmm. That thought form for her was probably in the likeness of the people who have wronged her. Yeah. So male figures who were imposing and oppressing basically became a reality for her. So yeah. even though there wasn't someone exactly like that in her life at that time, she had created one yeah. who was always there. Yeah. yeah. She never got away from it unless she, she stopped drinking or balanced her energy out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because once you do that, it's gone. Well, and you got young kids. Mm-hmm. Like people who has pubescent children. Mm-hmm. I know, like you were saying, they won't prefer female, but still, that no, energy's there. Oh, poltergeist. Pol- poltergeist. But that energy's there, you mm-hmm. know? It's in the mix. That's poltergeist. Well, traditionally, poltergeists are thought to prefer young children and yeah. the energy of females. But I just mean energy in itself. Mm-hmm. If she's creating this, like that, she, somehow she's taking that energy too, because it's in the house. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's manipulating all the energy because she's probably pissed yeah she's got a lot to be pissed it's a about a lot of anger man yeah you know what i mean if yeah. you're 33 you got four kids From different, four dudes, different dudes struggling dudes, to apparently. make your make your make your life yeah everyone's shunning you yeah and then you got this shit going on and you don't know why it's happening and you yeah. don't know how to stop it yeah people don't take you seriously yeah no i don't know how open she would have been to the concept that she's creating it anyway yeah maybe not because imagine all this bad stuff has happened to you and someone comes along and says well You've created it. My gut, I remember I told you, my gut was that as time went on, she started figuring out what was going on, that she had something to do with it. That's just my, it's just an intuitive hunch. I don't know, I don't That's quite put possible. any weight into it, that it's true or not, but it's just my hunch is that I think as time went on, she started to realize that, you know what, I think I'm doing this. It's quite possible. That's quite possible. We'll never know. And well, the key one is that when she stopped drinking, things just stopped. Yeah, but we all know that you do it one time, you may not notice. You might yeah. it might take you five times before well, you yeah, actually I didn't catch say on. Right away, but over time, yeah. as she got older, I think she started to realize that you know what, I'm the cause of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm the cause of this. So, hmm. it's not spectrophilia. No. Even though lots of people want to claim that they've had it, there was yeah. even some chick who said she married a ghost or wanted to marry a, a ghost. It was like some pirate or something. Uh, it's just. Bullshit. <laughs> well, here's the thing. The word, like, well, here's the thing with spectrophilia, though, is that the word itself talks about the phenomena of encounters, sexual yeah, encounters, yeah. but it also describes a fetish. Yeah. So there you go. Exactly. There was also some people who were like, uh, we wanted to know what it was like to have sex with a ghost, so they tried to like, yeah. they tried to lure a ghost. I'm not sure. Tried to entice a ghost to come and sleep with them because there's this psychic lady online i can't fucking remember her name i want to say it's like negri or something like that okay yeah she, she'll teach you she'll teach you how to get ghosts in your life so you can sleep with them yeah for five thousand dollars i'm going to show you how to catch a ghost <laughs> in a jar probably yeah, here we it's go. probably it's probably got a hefty cost yeah. associated with it <laughs> yeah, five thousand you want two ten thousand no problem i'll get you two you know? exactly so definitely not an incubus no Although I think the concept of an incubus or a succubus could be explained by sleep paralysis yeah. again. Yeah. Because what, there's sleep. what people describe happening is how incubuses and succubuses were described in folklore. Yeah. Sitting on your chest yeah. or laying on top of you and holding you down. Well, the paralysis thing when you were telling me about it, like I said, the OBEs, mm-hmm. 
that's associated also it is part of it and so that it's that state you know mm-hmm. you're going into that state so one of the one of the things that happens to you is paralysis right there's also a suggestion that the temporal parietal junction also has uh, a part to play in obes yeah i don't know what that is yet i haven't read it mm-hmm. um whether it in, enhances it or is the cause Induces for it. it yeah i'm not sure yeah but same thing yeah. Same thing. The temporal parietal junction is supposed to be processing a lot of information. If it, let's say, let's say you have a lesion you don't even know about. Yeah, that could cause you to fucking have you know people in your room in the night, freaking holding you down or doing whatever. Like yeah. anything's possible. Like her, she's in well, violent there was never, relationships. Who yeah, knows? Maybe she, was, she might have been thrown around. And, yeah, anything's possible. Yeah, and there was no physical, like. Workup done on her. No, no mental workup done yeah, on her. She didn't want it. She didn't. Now they would take all kinds of information oh, yeah. from you, so yeah. that they could they could work out that it wasn't anything from you, and it was separate to yeah. uh, only the environment. Yeah, you'd be you a guinea I mean? pig for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Um, poltergeist. I don't think it was poltergeist. I think poltergeist activity could be attributed to, to elementals. Yeah. And by elementals, I'm talking nature spirits or spirits that are earth. Earth, earthbound spirit, or yeah. not earthbound, but earthy. So, earthy, like, they yeah. have to do with air, water, fire, fire. earth, yeah, those kind of things, yeah. because uh, they're they're kind of mischievous. They can be, mm-hmm. from what I've read, and they know, can be malicious. They can be, yeah, yeah, because they're earthly. Yeah, where they live, in, where they inhabit a duality, so yeah. they could be good or they could be bad. Yeah. So I think I think poltergeist activity could be explained by elementals. Yeah. I think in this case. Doris, without realizing it, probably created a tulpa in the likeness or in the image of the things that she hated the most yeah. or feared the most <clears throat> or um, wanted to get revenge on the most or any of those types of things. Yeah. And when she life. yelled at those lights in that room yeah. and it started to manifest, yeah. she said, show yourself. Well, she's in control. Show yourself. Yeah, She's in control because it showed itself. And it did. It formed. It started to form. Well, she was angrily taking control. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it started to show itself. I think that's a much more reasonable explanation from my perspective. Yeah, I think so. I believe Doris's case could be attributed to her creating a tulpa. Yeah. And not realizing it. And that tulpa wreaking havoc on her life because of the type of emotions that caused it to be born. Born, yeah. What she created, yeah. Mm -hmm. I felt bad for her, you know. Yeah, me too. Like she's, it's just not, no one wants a life like that. No, of course not. Like I said, there's certain aspects of the story when you look at it, like the sexual assault stopped when yeah. they started investigating it. Um, it's awful. Yeah. The, stu- the, the activity continued even though she moved. Yeah. Clearly it's a part of her. Yeah. Or she created it. And because a tulpa in um, tradition, Tibetan tradition, mm-hmm. is an emanation yeah. or a manifestation I think that's what this was. Yeah, I do too. It maybe started in her mind. Yeah, I'm going to find out more about this. It's fascinating to me. Yeah, it maybe started in her mind, but then it became, became a, real. a reality. Yeah. Just like that Belgian-French explorer. Yeah. Started off as something kind of, you know, sweet and normal. Yeah. And then Is that started... the same one that you said she in the castle? Oh, no. The castle one? That was a... What was that? Lead, I think. Lead castle? Yeah. I don't even know where that is now. That was a thought forms. Yeah. Yeah. That happened in Lee But the Castle. smell of the... But that was poltergeist, babe. You're oh, confusing sorry. me too. Okay. Sorry. sorry. You're confusing me now. Stop yeah. asking so many questions. All right. All right. All right. 
I've been confused this whole damn hour. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm, I'm still confused, you know? Like so, I said, I, I thought I knew what was going on here, but... Yeah, I don't think it was uh, recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis, mm. just as in she's moving things. Yeah. I think it could have been psychokinesis as in she created an emanation yeah. or a tulpa, yeah. and that tulpa attacked her yeah. and created, created chaos, the, the in, her chaos life. in her life. Yeah. I don't think it was poltergeist activity. Although the idea now that people explain poltergeist activity as there needs to be a poltergeist agent, yeah. which would be her, yeah. and she would be putting energy into it, and then those things would happen, which sounds exactly like what a fucking tulpa is. Yeah. So I don't think that's what it is. Because yeah. yeah. I think poltergeist activity could be attributed to elementals, which yeah. is a whole different Different other thing. thing, yeah. yeah. <sighs> Did I sum it up? I don't even know. Yeah, I, said I don't a lot even of know either. Yeah. But it's not as cut and dry as they just show in the movie. No, definitely you not. You know, like... And obviously the movie's embellished for, you know... Well, the other thing, too, is we're listening to these guys talking from how many years ago? What, Oof. 20, 30 years ago? Yeah, man. There's a lot, people have learned a lot, of, lot more about things now. Yeah. Right? It's come a long way. Definitely. Like psychic... Um, well, there's know. other there's other incidences of psychokinetic stuff because right. we were talking. What were we talking about a little while ago? Don Decker. Since I want to do one on him, but I got to research that more yeah. so I can figure out what's causing the stuff that's happening around him. The Rain Man. Oh yeah, yeah. We're we'll do the, we're we're gonna do a show on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So, Doris. Doris. By there. Yeah, poor lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a serious experience, but it definitely opened people up to well, paranormal stuff. It did. It did. It did open the door for that. And if we look at the whole thing as a whole, and she created this mentally, right. subconsciously, unbeknownst to herself, mm-hmm. the power that woman had. Yeah, that we that all she have. Ma- yeah. Think about it. Yeah. 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 Is incredible. Yeah, it is. It is. We're supermen and women. We can be. Yeah. If we want to be. Yeah. So I think it's an interesting case to look at. Oh yeah. Simply because of all of the things that could have been happening or yeah. or or not so much could have been happening I guess, but all of the things that appeared to be happening yeah. in that time. We could have still brought things up, but it doesn't matter. It's going to boil down to the same thing. Oh yeah, the story. You know what? Everybody's heard the story. Yeah. Lots of people have heard yeah. the story. What we needed to get down to is what what is caused going on, it. yeah. Yeah, what's really happening. And what here. we needed to define a hundred percent is that what caused it was a hundred percent not a demon. Yeah. A hundred percent not an incubus. Yeah. A hundred percent it wasn't spectrophilia. No. A hundred percent it's not poltergeist. Most likely it's a tulpa. Yeah, I think so too. I really do. Born of psychokinetic energy. Psychokinetic energy. Psychokinetic energy is powerful, man. Whew. Leave it at that. Yeah. Otherwise, you just keep going. <laughs> it's like a ping pong ball. It is. You just keep going back and forth. Yeah. 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 So, there so. you have it. I hope you learned a little bit of something about some things. Mm-hmm. Learned a little bit of something about some things. Yeah. 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 I did. I'm yeah. still, I, like I said, I'm still trying to figure stuff out. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. If I find something else that I think it could be, or if I come up with a different definition or something yeah. like that. We'll talk about it. But yeah. for right now, I feel like I'm on the right track. Yeah. Yeah. Any comments from people that about tulpas? Or, you know, yeah. Please share them. I would suggest maybe don't create tulpas. Yeah, I would too. Simply because even though 
modern quote unquote practitioners of the practice seem to think that they stay only in your mind. Yeah. You cannot. I don't think so. You cannot guarantee that. Guarantee that. Yeah. And not actually just my gut is telling me no, mm-hmm. no, it starts like that. A topo, the actual definition says emanation, emanation, manifestation, yeah. yeah, not imaginary. No, no. So don't become a topo man. Yeah. Don't become I think, Wonder Bread. I think you, Wonder Bread rised. I think you know? I think you uh, I think you can function without it. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I mean, if you're going to be a top of it, you might as well just be a necromancer. Go raise some dead bodies from the graveyard and yeah. hang out with them. Yeah, see how you see how you <laughs> like it. See, you're going to like that. They come home. You come home and you drink all your beer. <laughs> Those damn dead people. They're the worst guests <laughs> they smell up the joint and drink your beer yeah yeah eat your food yeah i don't like they smell bad yeah, they smell exactly yeah, i don't want to make my house uh, all right so thanks for joining us on this one thank you very much hope you enjoyed the breakdown of the doris Byther case or the entity case yes hope you learned a little bit of something about incubuses and poltergeists and uh tulpas, tulpas. and uh, the power of your mind yeah all those, all those things, that list of things I went through. Mm-hmm. We look forward to having you on the next one. Yeah. Yeah. So, Keep listening. Yeah. Well, yeah. We love it. We love that you're listening. Yeah. We love that you're downloading it, and we love that you're following and us. Sharing it. Uh, yeah. And yeah, follow us on, follow your, us, yeah. on your streaming platforms, yeah. too, right? That way you get the uh, download of the newest episode straight away. Yeah. Thanks for coming out. Thank you very much. Be good to each other. Have a good night. Have a great night. See you soon. Visit us at our website at thetrianguliumpodcast.com or email us at thetrianguliumpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook. Your support, as always, is appreciated. <laughs>